The book of Jude has only one chapter, 25 verses, but it's full of information. I believe there are several ways that you can study Jude or look at Jude. You can look at it in relevance to Christians back when it was written. You can look at the structure of how it was written and see how similar it is to a Jewish form of interpretation known as Midrash, where they take a passage, apply that that passage, illustrate that passage, and then they apply it again. You can also take into consideration the close relation that the book of Jude has with 2 Peter chapter 2. I would like to focus more on the relevance it has for us as Christians today. Uh, It is generally accepted uh, that it was written in the mid to 60s AD, uh, mid to late 60s AD, sorry. Most scholars believe that the dating of Jude's letter can be based on whether it came before or after 2 Peter. If Jude was written before 2 Peter, then it was written before Peter's death. Uh, From what I found online, it's believed Peter died somewhere around 67 AD. If it was written after 2 Peter, then it was written near the close of the first century. I believe, from what I've read and the research I've done, I believe it was written after 2 Peter, but fairly close uh, thereafter because of the similarity between Jude and 2 Peter. Uh, the chapter 2 of 2 Peter. Jude doesn't make mention of the destruction of Jerusalem, which have happened in 70 AD. Jude mentions several instances of God's justice in punishing sinners. So you'd think if the destruction of Jerusalem had already happened, he would have mentioned it. Uh, when you take into account the influence of false prophecy, it seems likely that Peter was declaring it on the horizon while Jude talks about it as a current issue and what is to come. Now, a little bit on the author. Uh, the writer of Jude was undoubtedly known to the Christians of the first century, but this knowledge was not passed down to us. Basically, he only references himself as a servant of Jesus and a brother of James. There were seven people named Jude or Judas in the New Testament. Four, four are more or less conspicuously, conspicuously, I can't even say the word, mentioned, but only one had a brother named James. This was the half-brother of Jesus. We'll go over that in a little bit, which would make Jude a half-brother of Jesus as well. Uh, in Matthew chapter 3, Uh, When listing the apostles, we see that Jude also goes by two surnames, Lebaeus and Thaddeus. We see that, I think I have it up there, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Lebaeus also, or whose surname was Thaddeus. Sorry if I'm messing up on those names. Um, Fox's, bo- uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs states that Jude was crucified at Edessa in 72 AD. Whether that date is completely accurate, you know, it's hard to say. Some of the stuff that you, you find, you know, you kind of take with a grain of salt whether it was correct. Um, from what I've uh, researched, that seems to kind of be around that, that time. So, Something else I'd like to make mention of is a piece of scripture where Jude asked Jesus a direct question. And we find that in John chapter 14, verse 22. Judas saith unto him, 
not Iscariot, Lord, how is it that thou wilt manifest thyself unto us and not unto the world? I like to add that just to give more reference to Jude in the Bible. There that is. And I've broken down uh, kind of, you know, four verses or so at a time. And I'll try to keep up with my PowerPoint the best that I can. I'm going to read the verses and then we're going to kind of go over uh, what he's talking about. So Jude chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy unto you and peace and love be multiplied. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. There in verse 1, he's addressing those who are sanctified, so he's addressing Christians. Um, it doesn't say, from the commentaries and things that I've read, it doesn't say like an exact church or, or who. It, it's kind of commonly accepted he's just talking to Christians in general, whether it was Christians then or uh, now. I believe it applies to both. And as I mentioned earlier, he references himself as a servant of Jesus and a brother of James, which would make Jude a half-brother of Jesus. We can see reference to this in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And also in Mark chapter 6, oops, Chapter 6, verse 3. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. Verse 2, uh, he, he gives his greeting of mercy, peace, and love be multiplied. In verse 3, Jude states his heart's desire was to write on the subject of their common salvation in Jesus Christ. However, because many were turning away from the faith, there was a great need to bring to their remembrance the growing apostasy and challenge them to earnestly contend for the faith. In verse 4, ordained means it was forewritten or it was previously written. He's referring to false teachers and false prophets. We can see this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening, ravening wolves. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is honed down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits ye, sh ye shall know them. 
That's why it's so important that we contend for the faith, that we study diligently, that we attend church service, we pray and follow sound doctrine. The next bit of verses are uh, five, uh, 5 through 13, uh, condemning faithful living. Jude uses, oh, I need to read it first. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though, he, though ye once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not, and the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, and set forth for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal life. Likewise, also these filthy dreamers defile the flesh, despise dominion, and speak evil of dignities. Jude uses several examples of God's actions in past history as a reminder that God is a just God and will judge sin and disobedience. He references Exodus and how God delivered the children of Israel from Egypt, but in the end only Josh and Caleb are allowed to live and go into Canaan. He mentions the fallen angels, finish that, did I? Sorry. Yet Michael, the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, durst not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke thee. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, but what they know naturally as brute beasts, and those things they corrupt themselves. Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in their feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the rocks. Raging waves of the sea, foaming out from their own shame, Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. So like I said, he, he gives examples of God's actions in past history. Um, he mentions fallen, fallen angels. And you can see that in Ezekiel 28, 12 through 14. Uh, and Isaiah chapter 14, 12 through 14. I didn't put those verses up there. I mean, I just kind of give that for reference. So if you'd like to look at that later on, you most certainly can. Um, the fallen angels who chose to leave their first estate, which was heaven, knowing who God was, and still chose to condemn themselves. He goes on to mention the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah, and that is in um, Genesis chapter 19. We all know that the people of those cities willingly chose a lifestyle that they knew was wrong, and God destroyed both the cities and the people who lived there for their blatant sin. Then there are those, like Paul describes in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 23. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. They knew who God was, but they followed their own desires. It's just like today. There are people that know who God is, acknowledge that He is God, but never obey His will, or they call on God for help, but curse Him 
when they don't get what they want. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools and, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Okay. Verse 9, Jude points out even the powerful archangel Michael did not speak evil of Satan when he disputed with Satan over Moses' body. Rather than dare fight Satan himself or slander Satan, Michael depended upon the Lord Jesus Christ to deal with Satan. Jude's purpose isn't so much to deal with the subject of Moses' body being buried, but rather Michael's method or attitude when dealing with Satan concerning Moses' body. The Lord rebuke thee, Michael told Satan, echoes the words of the angel of the Lord recorded in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 2. The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Verses 10 through 13, Jude gives a description of the wickedness of the false teachers and associates them with three Old Testament characters, Cain, Balaam, and Kor. Uh, 12 through 13 are referring to false preachers. They are spots of contaminants, clouds with wa without water, you think about it, clouds without water can't produce rain. And trees need rain to grow and to produce food, uh, fruit. If they don't have it, they wither up and die. You contrast that with Christians. We need the truth. We need the Lord to grow as Christians. These clouds are carried about the winds and look productive, but they're not because they are empty. They have no rain in them. There is no water in them. Just like some congregations, they look productive, but they're not. They're empty because they don't have truth. They don't have sound doctrine. These false teachers are boisterous like raging waves of the sea. They're all talk, but have little to no truth or meaning behind them. I'm sure that you've heard the phrase before, there's a special place in hell for people like you. Or something, not like you, like that, sorry. Or something around those lines. I think that's basically what Jude's saying here at the end of verse 13 about false prophets and teachers. To whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. He could have simply said, to whom is reserved the darkness forever, but he put in the blackness of darkness forever. I found that interesting. I, I could be wrong on that, but that's, that's uh, kind of how I, how I took that. Verse 14 through 19. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of, because of advantage. But, beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lust. These be they who separate themselves sensual, having not the Spirit. It's interesting that Jude mentions Enoch 
who was the seventh generation from Adam and the great-grandfather of Noah, Enoch prophesied of the coming of these apostate teachers. We see that in... Uh, or we're going to see what uh, Genesis has to say about Enoch. Uh, it's chapter 5, verse 21 through 24. And Enoch lived sixty and five years in Megat, Methuselah, and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah three hundred years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were three hundred sixty and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He was unique because he pleased God and the Lord took him to heaven directly without him seeing death. Enoch was the only prophet before Noah that the Bible mentions. Only Jude mentions the prophecy of Enoch. God revealed through him this truth that no one else recorded. Jude goes on to say that Enoch prophesied about the Lord coming with ten thousands of his saints and to execute judgment upon all and to convict all the ungodly of their ungodly deeds. Then he goes on to list the acts of these ungodly deeds. And we get to verse 17 and 19, and we see Beloved again. So we know he's, he's addressing Christians. He's saying, do you remember the apostles talking about end times and how there would be mockers and people walking after their own lust? He makes a reference there to Second Peter chapter 3, verse 2 through 3. That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts. So Jude is obviously giving another warning here. Be careful of things, be mindful of them. Verses 20 through 23 committing to faithful living. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Which is what Zane used this morning. Um, continue to commit to faithful living. Continue to pray in the Holy Spirit so your prayers are heard. Stay in the love of God. Don't stray from Him and lose your faith so you receive Christ's mercy, which is, which is eternal life. Have compassion on those people who are doubting. Don't let them lose faith. Help build them up. Don't just let them go. Fight for them. Kind of like what Zane was talking about this morning. Don't pass them by. Fight for them. But be cautious. Don't let yourself get entangled in their doubts. You don't want to follow down the same, the same hole that they are. You know, if, if you can't turn them around, don't continue down that hole with them and get entangled in their doubts. Verses 24 through 25, conquering faithful living. The last two verses, are, to me, are more of a prayer of praise to God. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and ever. Amen. If you look at this book as a whole, Jude is warning us of things that have happened and, and things to come. When he closes with, or Then he closes with the prayer basically telling us, God is the only one that can keep us faultless, 
and that his glory and power has been, is, and always be. In conclusion, I want to add a, a couple of things. I think it's fairly evident that the theme of this book is about contending for the faith. Uh, it's the third shortest biblical book. The 25 verses contained in this book are a panorama of the Old Testament and a challenge regarding the future of the church. We're introduced again to Sodom, angels, Cain, Moses, Balaam, Kor, Egyptian bondage, the wilderness wanderings, and Satan. I think considering its size, few books present as many issues in such a short space. And one unique part of Jude is his use of extra-biblical sources. And verse 14 makes a reference to the book of Enoch. He also makes a statement about the body of Moses in verse 9 that is not recorded in the Old Testament. The story of the, of the archangel Michael contending with Satan over the body of Moses is, is, uh, is in an extra-biblical book called The Assumption of Moses or The Testament of Moses, which was written in Hebrew between 7 AD, 7 AD and 29 AD. Um, those things are just kind of for your information. I'm not saying these books are biblical or 100% accurate. I just feel it's noteworthy to mention. I'm sure that there are things that I've left out, but what I've presented this afternoon is what I've studied on. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.